Hello and welcome to Scuttlebutt, episode 38. I'm Nick, and before I throw out to Vic, I just want to mention that June is PTSD Awareness Month. So if you find yourself uneducated uh, on PTSD, it's a great time to reach out. There's a lot of resources out there. We've got gone over a few of them on Scuttlebutt. In fact, Vic's episode today, he interviews Benji Manabog, Gunnery Sergeant, USMC Retired, who has a foundation called Six Feet Above, whose purpose is to use skateboarding to help veterans cope. And if you are suffering from PTSD, there is help out there. We've talked to a bunch of them on the podcast. We've talked to Tom Schumann and his PB Abate initiative. We've talked to Jeff Schultz, who's involved with MVP. We've talked to some chaplains. We've talked about mental health with Miles Vining. Uh, so if you need a place to start, listen to a few episodes of Scuttlebutt. Uh, also reach out to the VA and just find what you need. Anyway, we're here for you. And thrown back out to Vic in California. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Scuttlebot. I'm Vic. I'm here. I'm so honored, actually, um, today. I'm just, I'm sort of... I'm sort of geeking out right now, man. So, but I'm here with uh, Benji Manabog. Um, I'm not going to really do your story any justice, but just I guess to hit the real quick wave tops. Um, here's another Cali guy. So feeling good being here um, with you. But um, you know, someone who joined the Marine Corps, did some absolutely wonderful things as a Marine Raider. And then transitioned out and now are just doing so much to give back to uh, people who are in uniform, coming out of uniform, uh, and they are finding that maybe that transition wasn't quite so easy or maybe they weren't as prepared as they maybe thought they were. So, Benji, thank you again dude, so much for having me here and for sitting down with me. This is, this is awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, I appreciate just this opportunity um, to tell my story. I absolutely love people. I love hearing people's stories and then sharing my story as well. And there's just so much that we could get out um, of just of hearing each other's stories. And it's just such a, a, an amazing opportunity to be able to do that. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so retired Gunny. So what was, before we get into your time in uniform, Kind of give us a little bit of like what brought you to the yellow footprints. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> in fact, I, I had no desire to go step one of those yellow footprints in any way. In fact, I was actually totally against it. Um, I grew up in Los Angeles, California, throughout LA County, kind of moved around a lot as a kid. Um, just unfortunate circumstances in, in my family, just poor choices that were made. And that's not to, you know, bash my family in any way. I know no one's family is perfect. In yeah, fact, yeah. every every family is dysfunctional, right? right. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's sort of like synonymous with family, right? Exactly. You know, it's because people aren't perfect, and so that's why there's no perfect family because um, you know people are imperfect. But I had a very uh, interesting upbringing, just moving around with different family members uh, based off of the poor choices that were made, and including my own. And I was that rebellious kid. And when, when I say rebellious, that's putting it very lightly. Um, I had a real problem with authority. And I think a lot of it was because I was acting out uh, 
from the feelings of not having my dad around or not having a father figure around. And my poor mom is, you know, single mother with four kids and she's trying to go to night school while also working and trying to, you know, provide for us. And then just stepdad comes in. And of course I'm going to rebel against sure. that guy coming yeah, in. And I taking did the, the same place. thing, man. So I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, consequently, what ended up happening is I got very heavily involved in drugs and alcohol at an early age. And it was, um, man it it was i thought that i was on the right path because in my mind when i got involved into those drugs and alcohol and i got involved with those friends that were in the punk rock community yeah we were all together united against authority i felt that brotherhood and i felt that sense of belonging and with that it was like right when the iraq war kicked off you know 2003 or actually i'm sorry uh 2001 when um we went to afghanistan I was really having involved in just against the war and against everything going on because that's what I heard in the music and that's what I heard sure. all my friends say. Yeah, anti-establishment, man. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So I was like, yeah, down with Bush, down with authority. The military is the most stupid thing you could do. You're going to die for your government. You're just going to be cannon fodder. Yeah, yeah. And so, and I, it, I was just ignorant, right? I was ignorant because I didn't know anything about the military. In fact, the Marine Corps, I didn't know there was MOSs in the Marine Corps. I thought when you joined the Marine Corps, you were just like a soldier. Yeah, like, here's your gun. Yeah. And like, uh, and like you go. This is my rifle. This is my gun. Exactly. Yeah. I saw <laughs> I was so ignorant about it. And um, what, what ended up happening is I got into a lot of trouble with stealing from, from liquor stores, from various different places, getting into fights, vandalizing, doing all sorts of things. Um, addicted to meth and cocaine and I found myself at a point where I was at this continuation school and I, I was 18 and I realized just you know if I pause and, and took a second I don't know exactly when this moment was but I just remember one day just saying man my life is going nowhere and I can I could foresee everything that my future would become if I continued down this path right I had friends that went to prison I had just a lot of family members that were kind of messed up. And, um, unfortunately it, it's like some of those people are still that way. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're still dealing with those consequences. Even if they got out of those situations, they're still dealing with the, the second and third order effects of those, of those negative choices. And so I was able to kind of foresee that in my future and, and say, you know what, I don't want that. So I remember seeing this commercial. It was a Navy SEAL commercial. Yeah. Had, you know, God smack playing. And it was like, dip, 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 dip. <laughs> yeah. and he's like on the water and they're coming out. And I was like, man, that looks awesome. Walked into the Navy recruiting office. And again, because I was uh, some cracked out looking kid, I weighed 117 pounds, probably had a mohawk at the time, you know, leather jacket studs. And I walk in there and I'm like, hey, I saw this commercial on TV. They're like, dude, am I getting punked right now? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, yeah, no, you don't, one, you don't qualify at all because you, I mean, they gave me one of those practice ASVABs oh, and I, yeah. I like, bombed it. So they're like, well, you don't, you're definitely not going to make it. So like, here's the list of jobs that could be available. And it was like bosun's mate and all these ones that like, I just didn't want to do, you mm -hmm, know? Like, mm -hmm. And I was like, well, this sucks. So I, I remember walking out of there just feeling defeated and there's a Marine Corps recruiter watching right. me walk yeah, out, yeah. looking sad for myself. And he's like, hey, what's up buddy? And, I'm, and what's interesting about that guy that, that scooped me up, a year prior, he came to our continuation school to try to 
recruit some folks mm-hmm. and I told him to his face I'm like the Marine Corps is the stupidest thing you know like you're gonna Fascist. yeah you're gonna die for oil and, uh, and he didn't remember me at all so I was just like oh thank god like I saw his face I was like oh shit and uh <laughs> but he scooped me up and and uh what's really cool he ended up becoming um one of the most positive uh role models in my life at that time and he he showed me what it was like to work hard for something and when you do you could achieve great results right like if you if you really stop that victim mentality and start putting on that victor mindset then you could see that it doesn't matter what you did before it's all about who you are today and what you want to achieve tomorrow and he was like I mean, he, it wasn't one of these things where he's just asking you to come in to do pulley functions and stuff. I mean, he was like in your hip pocket, as they say, right? Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, he saw my circumstances and he was like, hey, you're going to this continuation school. Like, these are what these are what your, your credits are right now. This is what it's going to take in order for you to graduate. And this is what it's going to take in order to get your life turned around and to, you know, uh, become physically fit and all that. So... He, he said, like, come in to the office. I'm going to be here. And even if I'm not here, there's going to be someone here. Mm-hmm. Come in, do your homework here. Like, work out here every day. And that's what I did. I just came in every day. I was doing my packet work there. I was working out there. And because I started to get off of drugs, I noticed that, man, I'm starting to gain weight. And I'm starting to look good physically. And, like, girls are starting to yeah, notice. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, hey, this yeah. is nice. Yeah, yeah. And so I was able to start, like just seeing immediate results just based off of just the, the change of lifestyle. And, um, I, and it's, it sucks to say, uh, that there's a lot of my old friends that are kind of still caught up in those old ways, but a lot of those guys, um, are, are different now than they were back then. And they're still some of my, my best friend, my buddy, Wyatt, he's, he's an amazing guy and I still love him. Um, back then I distanced myself from a lot of those guys during that time when I was transitioning, uh, from being a, just punk rock, you know, drug addict right, to right. wanting to be a Marine. And so I, I totally changed my circle of friends, started hanging out with other pulleys, and I saw my life just change for the better. Yeah, that's such an amazing story, especially like, obviously, we both have probably heard more negative stories about oh, the recruiter screwed me or whatever. Yeah. But to hear that sort of like, because to be quite honest, mm-hmm. for those uh, listeners who don't know, like when it comes to recruiting, there are categories of pooly, of yeah. potential recruits. And everybody obviously wants to focus on the cat one guys, the guys with the high abs, the scores, Eagle Scouts, um, you know, high GPA, high P, uh, IST scores, all that stuff, because they're easy. And so for a recruiter who, as you guys can only imagine, recruiters don't have a ton of time on their hands yeah. to really bring you under his wing like that, man. It, and that transformation, and it's such a great uplifting story. And so I'm so happy for you that you got to experience that vice, yeah. you know, the sort of the Navy guys who just like, and, and no necessarily yeah. hit on them, but it's just like, dude, I got a lot. I don't have a lot of time, but I got a lot to do. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I, and if you were to look at me too, I mean, it's easy to judge a book by its cover. You look at some of these guys and, and you could basically make a snap judgment and say, yeah, yeah if I invest a lot of time in you, I'm probably not going to get the results that right. I want. But man, I wanted it. And I, I don't know, he saw something in me that, that showed that I really wanted yeah. it. And because when he asked, he pulled out the little, 
you know, the, the trait or what, you know, what is it? Yeah, the uh, benefit tags. The benefit tags, right? You pull yeah. the benefit tags and then we're going over them. And, and then he was like, well, how bad do you want to be a Marine? And I was like, out of a scale of one to 10, I was like, 11. And, and he's like, okay. And I'm like, no, like really, like I need to like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want this. And he's like, all right. Yeah, I'm not just quoting Spinal Tap here. Like, yeah, really exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mine goes to 11. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it did. I, I really wanted it. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, so that's such a great story. And so next thing you know, you're on the yellow footprints. Yeah. Are you just like, what the hell did I just do? Or are you like, no, this is exactly no. what I wanted. Yeah, it, it was like. I brainwashed myself prior to going yeah. in and I, and I, I use that term because, um, when I said I wanted to change like completely, it's like, you know, there's some people that they say, Hey, I want to do this. And then they like gradually, you know, they, they start working out a little bit. And they yeah, just ebbs and flows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like for me, it was like, I did a complete 180, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. my life was going one way and I said, Nope. And I, changed my friends, changed what I was doing, like the whole, everything. And so I lived and breathed Marine Corps. Like if I, if I wasn't doing my schoolwork and if I wasn't like getting off of school and getting there, um, and, and like recruiter helped me get a job too. Right. And so I, I got, I got a job and I was working that. And if I wasn't doing that, I was studying my general orders. I was studying That's everything awesome. about the Marine Corps. And so I knew how to like, there was a stuff the police did that you learn how to march and you learn yeah, yeah. stuff, the knowledge, like, man, I knew it knew it all because I was like, if I go into the Marine Corps, I don't want to just be like a Marine. I want to be the best. Yeah. And and they, they would tell me like, Oh, you know, if you, if you go in, you could be the guide and you could be the leader and you could do this. And I was like, well, that's what I want. Yeah, I yeah. want to do that. Sign me up. Yeah. And so when I got to the yellow footprints, I was like, this is exactly where I want to be. And I'm going to kick ass. That's how, that's so great. And then, so was it one of these things where as you're going through I think I already know the answer. I think you already alluded to it. But I mean, as you're going through, you're loving all of what the Marine Corps is offering at this point. Are yeah. you just like, did you know about, I guess it would be, I guess it was, it was MARSOC then. Did you know about the, at least the no, recon Mar- community? Yeah, Mar-Soc I knew about and, recon. MARSOC didn't exist at the time. At the time, right. Okay. So it yeah. was later. Yeah. So, but I knew about recon and I knew I wanted to just regardless of what I did in the Marine Corps, I wanted to be the best at it. So, but my mindset was, let me get through this first. I was taking small okay. bites at a time. And man, I think, you had so much wisdom for a young guy. Man, well, it's crazy. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that I, I think I just had a really good mentor at that time. And, and I, I wanted to soak it in because I spent years not listening to anybody. And then I saw the result. I was like, yeah. well, I just spent years and years of my life not listening to authority, not listening to what these people say. Let me give that a shot. Yeah. Right. So I started listening to some of my teachers at school and like their wisdom. And I started listening to what my recruiter said. And so it wasn't just my recruiter. It was all these other people in my life that I started remembering things that my mom had told me. Mm. I started remembering things that my uncle had told me and my uncle that was a drug addict, but there was good things that he had told me and there was good things he'd mentioned. Yeah, yeah. And then there was good things that my dad had told me and even my stepdad who I hated back then. I was like, I hate this guy. Yeah. But he had so much wisdom that he taught me that I was like, I'm starting to apply it now. And at the time I, I told him he was the dumbest thing. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah. Bad rocks, right? But, um, and so I started just to apply those things. And so when I got to boot camp. I just wanted to soak all that knowledge in as well. And so all those, whatever the general instructor said, I was like, 
like Forrest Gump, like because you told me to, Joe yeah, Stark, yeah. right? But but, I was, yeah, but, yeah. but for real, I was like, dude, I'm I'm gonna do this because it's it's what I stop listening, or if I listen to these guys, I know I'm gonna be on the right path. Man, that's so great. So all right, so then boot camp, SOI, then you you go to the fleet, and were you already sort of in that sort of recon pipeline? No, then? no. So I, I went to the fleet, and um, it, were you at uh, Pendleton? No, I wasn't at Pendleton first. So I joined when I initially joined. I was uh, in the logistics field. Oh, okay. So, yeah, because so when I when I joined, there oh, was so a, MCT then. Yeah. Okay. So what ended up happening right before boot camp? <laughs> this is this is one thing I I made my recruiter so proud. Um, up until right before I was about to ship, and I broke my arm skateboarding. <laughs> and, Man, the irony. Yeah, you're looking at it today. <laughs> yeah, so I, I broke my broke my arm skateboarding, and I like I remember walking in with my cast, and I'm like, I'm sorry. You know? yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I just did not want to tell him, you know. But I'm like, I got to leave for boot camp in a couple of weeks, and here I have a cast yeah. on, right? And so, um, but just how bad I wanted it, right? Like, even though I had my cast, I was like working out and doing pull ups, like while I still had my cast on because and I cut my cast so that you could grip so I could grip it yeah (laughs) and because I was like man I really want this and uh, I was like I don't want to be weak by the time my my cast heals because they were like and so but it it changed a lot of things it changed my MOS you know I had had a slot Um, but I was like I don't care because I just want to be a marine and that's what mattered to me and like I said before I was like when he was when they were initially showing me jobs I was like there's jobs yeah 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 and so I was like, whatever, I don't care what I am. And, and so I get I get in there, um, graduate as, as a series honorman, you know, high PFT, all that stuff, and then um, get to the fleet. And I remember the fleet kind of being disappointing. Because, Weird. Yeah. <laughs> the fleet was disappointing because it was like, uh, I knew boot camp was just training. And I knew, you know, like going through like your combat training, all that was just that's training too and so people are like trudging through it and they don't really you know want to be there right. some a lot of a, pe- a lot of people do but i was like well, once i get to the fleet it's like it's on i'm gonna be around these great <laughs> leaders that are gonna you know and then i get there and i just remember being like this sucks because just <laughs> you got like 10 percent that were just like killing it and then you had like you know the general population but then you also had 10 percent that were like just should it be there i'm like what are you doing here and i'm just like still like in that was it a failure to adapt or whatever (laughs) yeah and so it was like a disappointment at first because i i had worked so hard to what i that to me it was like i earned being a marine you know like in my mind Mm -hmm. not to sound like a narcissist but in my mind i was like man i really earned this and this guy's taking it for granted like he yeah yeah kind of earned it i guess like he earned the title but now he's just slacking off yeah. and he's getting fat and whatever and i was like that's not right you know and that guy's gonna go home on leave and tell him when he's, he's a marine yeah. and i'm like that no like why you know <laughs> and um and so well i just wanted to surround myself with the best people and i wanted to be the best and so when i when i heard about um you know marsoc and all that i was like that's my goal i want to be around those yeah people. let's do that yeah. yeah that's really cool yeah um even to this day, like when I uh, am getting a haircut on base Quantico, yeah, they yeah. Have, like the they scroll through all their advertisements stuff. You yeah, Marsoc Raiders thing. You're like, oh man, that's that yeah. is cool. Yeah. Okay. And to me, <laughs> yeah. it was like you know when people think of like the the military, they think of the Marine Corps, they think of like that elite fighting force, and you know, and um, 
<laughs> I think for a lot of guys that they 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 see those commercials, they're like, oh, sick. And then they get to their fleet and then they're like, you know, mopping the floor. Yeah, and the they're like, day, yeah, yeah, the field day. And they're like, whoa, where was this in the commercial? Yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. They're, gonna put, they're not going to uh, put the Godsmack over there doing field day. Yeah, the, the, the printer jamming, you know, and you're yeah. like trying to get your, your reports. You're like, what is this? <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, okay, so then... It your first deployment then was as a raider? No, no, oh. no. My first, I did three deployments not as a raider. So I did uh, two deployments to Iraq, and then I did a Mew. Okay, and it was on that Mew that I finally had the opportunity to put in my package. I see. And okay, and I I was fortunate enough to get attached to a force reconnaissance platoon on that third deployment. Okay, so I like finagled my way. <laughs> to get yeah, yeah, totally. and it was really cool it was like a, it was it was like a chance or call it you know god or it was just i got put in this position where they're like we don't need a logistics guy here but we do have this boat team that we're trying this concept and it's we've got these ribs and usually we have navy drivers but we need um we want to send marines to the school was that, was that a coxswain school? Yeah, so, yeah, but, it yeah. Was, but it wasn't like the traditional coxswain school where you go to um, and you drive like the Zodiacs, yeah. right? Like the Cricks. Uh, it was like you go to the Navy, the Navy like seven meter rib course, and then the ten meter rib course, and then like we switch courses and all mm-hmm. that stuff, and maritime navigation and all that. So I learned all this stuff about maritime operations and all this stuff, and we were working real closely with with the force platoon. And we were getting ready for, um, you know, all the visit board search and seizure, VBSS. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we did for that whole workup. And it was awesome. I was like, man, this is great. We were riding sea dudes around or going on the boats. Dude, that's like G.I. Joe. It it was cool, (laughs) man. And we were doing all this VBSS stuff. And then uh, what was really cool was on that deployment, we actually did that real life mission. We did the Magellan Star mission. Okay. Um, And and that was really rad because everyone had said like, yeah, you guys are training for this, but no, we're not, you know, yeah, you're not yeah, going to do yeah, it. It's yeah, going to be yeah. some SEAL platoon that's going to get this mission if it goes down. And we just so happen to be right place, right time, right off the, the Horn of Africa. And they, that distress call went out. Boom, there's 11 hostages on this on the ship. You know, there's Germans, you know, they yeah. locked themselves in. The Somali pirates are right there. You guys, you guys are going in. And I'm like, this is awesome, yeah. right? <laughs> and so, you know, because it was almost like a, uh, it felt so good because there was all these people in the leadership position too that saw us as like the cowboys. Yeah. Like, yeah. Look at these guys. They, because you're the upstarts, right? Like Marines weren't really, hadn't really been part of the community for very long at this point. Right? Yeah, exactly. So they were like, oh, these guys are training for this mission that's not going to go down. And then it goes down, yeah, right? Yeah. And so I'm like feeling good. And then I come to find out that they're like, hey, we're disbanding that whole concept. Like we're not gonna have Marines be part of those boat teams or any of that anymore. And I'm like, well, this sucks. I need to like put my package in and go to recon. Yeah. And some of those guys on the force platoon were like, don't come to recon, go to MARSOC. Cause that's where we're going. So they were all putting in their packages for assessment and selection, A&S. And I was like, cool, I'll do the same thing. So I did. And then, um, yeah. And, and at the time I still knew very little about MARSOC. Uh, and so, and it was very like, it, it wasn't as advertised like it is today. It was like, you, they had, like no, it was like very much. I remember when that yeah. was coming up, like 
and they were taking all comers, like mm-hmm. commos, mm-hmm. you know, com guys. And, I mean, because they were trying to, yeah. as you know, like create their own infrastructure, yeah. almost like the teams. Yeah, exactly. And so I didn't really know much about what set, uh, assessment and selection was. So I was like Googling, okay, what's assessment and selection? And I saw a lot of stuff about special forces assessment and selection, which MARSOC modeled it after that. We had, um, yeah, and for those of you that don't know, the Marine Corps wasn't part of SOCOM, Special mm-hmm. Operations Command, for years and years. When they stood it up, and yeah, yeah, we've all, you know, we've had Marine Raiders stood up in, in uh, World War II, got disbanded, then Force Recon mm-hmm. and the Recon stood up, but we weren't part of a Special Operations Command. Right. So when in 1987, when SOCOM stood up, the Marine Corps was like, nah, we don't want a part of it. You guys can. Yeah, we don't want some Air Force guy telling a Marine yeah. what to do. Yeah. But what ended up happening is that took us out of the fight for a lot of missions, which Marines would have been, we would have excelled at, right? And and so come 2004, when Donald Rumsfeld said, no, Marine Corps, you are going to be part of SOCOM. <laughs> and uh, they did the proof of concept with uh, DAT-1, deployed with, with the uh, SEAL teams, and then 2006 is when it stood up. Right. And so it was still pretty brand new. And when I went to ANS, um, that's when I knew that that's where I belonged. Because like I said, when I went to the fleet initially and I was like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what is this? Right. And uh, not to say that every unit is like that. There's yeah, there's uh, I mean, there's tons of amazing units. Right. And then there's some that are not so great. And I just ended up getting that that mixed bag and it all it, it's I also just had this big high expectation of like every Marine being that high caliber, um, which I'd say majority of the Marine Corps is of, of high caliber, but there's that top 10% that is like, they're the go-getters of yeah. the gung-ho. Yeah. And I was like, I thought every Marine was like that. Yeah. And so, but when I got to ANS, that's when I knew I was like, I'm around guys that like want to be here. They want to be better. They, these are my people. These are my people. Yeah. And they're all physically fit. They're all, you know, in the top 10% physically, mentally, all that. And then even out of that group, not everyone gets selected. And I was, I was like, I hope I get selected. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, because even though I was like, I was a stud at, at my old units and everyone would say like, man, you know, Benji's a stud or they wouldn't say Benji. They say, you know, man, about a stud, yeah, yeah. right. Um, but then when I got to ANS and ITC, which is the individual training course, I was like average, right? So you're around a bunch of other stuff. Exactly. So yeah. it, it was cool to be around that environment where I'm like, oh man, now I really got to turn it up because yeah. now I'm just in the middle of the pack. Yeah, man. I think that I think there's so many overlays and just other aspects of life. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you just even look at professional sports, mm-hmm. you, you see college athletes that are just, I mean, they look like they're in a different league oh, entirely. Yeah. Then they get to the pros and you're like, you're one of many yeah. games like that. And so you're yeah. really, you have to, every level you have to step your game up because that's sort of how progression works. Like you move to the next bracket yeah. and you're with a bunch of guys also move to the next bracket. Yeah. So you gotta work, you gotta earn it every time. Yeah. Marsoc Raider, you're doing awesome stuff. You hit the 15-year mark, and there's another transition that you're facing. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it came abruptly. Like, it. I thought I was going to do 20 years because once I got to MARSOC, I was like, this is where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the, the mindset was still 
it was like an unselfish act, but in a selfish way at the same time. The unselfish act was, hey, I'm putting my life on the line. I'm doing this, this great thing for the Marine Corps and for my country. But the selfish part was I was putting my family yeah. second, right? Yeah. And that is like kind of like one of the things that we're obligated to as Marines, right? Is, you know, mission first, you know, yeah. and then... But what ended up happening is there was so many times where it's like, I didn't necessarily have to go to this school. Or I didn't mm. have to do this deployment or whatever. And I was like, I'm going. Yeah. I want to do it. And yeah. Because anytime there was something that would make me more lethal or um, advance, you know, my future opportunities, I was like, I want to be on it. I want to do it. And, yeah. and so that, that drive was good in that sense, but also negative in a sense to where it had um, negative consequences on my family life as well. Mm-hmm. And at this time I had four kids, you know, and, and, uh, my wife and I had been married since 2007. So we'd been married for quite a long she's time. She's been on a long ride. Yeah. She, she'd been through a lot of deployments and a lot of stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. and I'd say even going through ITC, I'd consider it being in a, deploy- a deployment because it was nine months and she stayed in California while I did that, oh, man. you yeah. know, and then there were some schools that we did that were four months long, yeah. two months long. And I did, I would come back from deployment, go to that two-month school, be home for 10 days, go to that four-month school, then do workups. So it's like most of the time at MARSOC, I might have been head to pillow two to four months every year, right? And so it was tough. It was really tough on the family. And yet I still was like, boom, 20 years. I want it. I want to get as many deployments in. I want to just get after it. Mm -hmm. And it was like kidney failure runs in her family mm-hmm. right uh her, her dad uh passed away from it her, her her grandpa passed away from it her uncle has kidney failure but i i in my mind i was like well it's not gonna it's gonna generation it. it's like, yeah it's good right <laughs> and, and because her older sister has been fine from it right mm-hmm. um but i was on that deployment and right before i went on the deployment uh she was having some issues and uh but i was like okay i think it'll be good we're catching it early on that deployment, she's like, hey, my kidney function went from 50%, now it's at 30%. Oh my gosh. And it's continuously declining, right? And so um, she had to do a kidney biopsy this midway through the deployment. Uh, we, were, we were doing some counterterrorism operations in Yemen, and we were a small team out there. And I was like, well, I got to leave. And I'm, you know, I'm in this, this leadership position on my team. And I was like, I don't know if I want to pull myself out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, but I need to, right? I need to go back home. I need to do this, this be with my wife while she does this kidney biopsy, right? So I came home, was home for like a week and then went through that process. And then I, I deployed back. And it was right when I came back, it was like my mindset had changed. Mm. It was like where I was like, go, go, go. I was all about the mission and, and what we were doing to... I need to start thinking about my family. And I, just, and I started, and I and I watched as I came home, and my daughter, who was ten at the time, just busting into tears when I surprised them at the door. And I had always, I mean, she'd been through a lot too. I mean, she was born on my second deployment. I didn't get to see her born, and then she did yeah. all that time. And so she she affected the most from it. Uh, but I, I I felt it when I came home and I saw that. So when I came back on deployment. I was just thinking about that moment of mm-hmm. like her crying and how I'm going to have to go through that again. again yeah. Right. And then I was thinking about my wife and if she were to pass, like how it'd be with just me raising the kids on my own. And I, I had all these thoughts mm-hmm. going around mm-hmm. that I never thought about before. 
um, because you think you're invincible when you're when you're, right. when you're uh, young and dumb and you're you know and you're in the Marine Corps. You don't think of all these things happening, um, or and I started thinking about that stuff, and so uh, I was I was like, well, what can I do when I get out, right? And even though I was like confident talking to others, I was like, you know what, you know, if we get out, I know we'll be okay because you know we're special operators. We find a way, we'll do it, right? Yeah, right. Um, but deep down, I was scared. I was like, I, I'm I'm at the top of my game right now. I'm, I'm a I'm a special operator. I've done all these achievements, and then I'm gonna get out, and all those best days are gonna be behind me. Mm. And it's, yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's like being a professional athlete, and then all of a sudden your career gets cut short, and you're like, well, who am I now? Yeah, right. It's like you look back and you say, this is what I've done, and now what? Right? Yeah. So all that was going through my head, and I was kind of felt like I was losing that purpose. Um, but at the same time, I was like, I need to focus on the family. So when I got back, yeah, I was, it, it was tough, you know, trying to deal with all those different things. It was all compounding. And, um, and unfortunately my wife's kidney function continued to decline and it went down to 15%. And you know, right now she's, she's waiting a transplant, but, um, it was, uh, it was a very scary time right at that moment. God, that's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, I know from like my standpoint and how I can relate and, and how that resonates with me. It's like, I would almost rather do a two man stack into a hostel room than try to be a husband and father, <laughs> but by, you know, yeah. by myself, like without a support network, mm -hmm. like that, yeah. the idea of being, uh, you know, sort of alone and unafraid deployed. Yeah. I got that. There's, I've been through the training. I've got, mm -hmm. I've got experience doing these things. I know there's the workup cycle, but Hey, take the kids for the afternoon. I'm like, what do I do? We, we don't give, and we say this all the time, like, you know, like, oh, the wives are, they're amazing, but we really don't give them enough credit uh, because we joke around like, oh, we're doing the hard stuff. Yeah. Just back home. But when you really flip the role and if you're, you know, by yourself with the kids, uh, especially, you know, I got four kids, um, there'd be days that like when she was gone, you know, she went on a couple of women's retreats that she well deserved. Right? Yeah, yeah. She deserves to be gone for years. Right. Right. Her own thing. But she'd be gone. And I remember that week that she was gone on that, on that women's retreat. I was like, I was trying to cook and, and then the kid's naked and I'm like, why are you naked? And there's <laughs> yes, like, right. a kid climbing up on something. I was like, this is chaos. Get the dog out of the toilet. What's yeah. happening here? Yeah. Right. And so in my mind, I'm like, I, if I was deployed right now, this is, it'd be way easier. If I just had a ruck on my back, yeah. and I was just like, well, cause right. There's no boot camp. There's no SOAMCT. <laughs> there's no like all of these advanced courses for parenting. Yeah, exactly. You just, and then, you know, you're that cohesive unit and then one person goes away anyways. Um, but dude, I mean, that is such a, um, you know, you hear stories a lot that way. And usually, at least from my experience, it's usually like um, a Marine will have a, uh, something will happen with one of their kids. Yeah. But rarely do you hear about it with the wives or with the spouses. Mm -hmm. um, and so, man, that's got I, I, I totally when you say like you were scared, it's like that's visceral for me. Cause yeah. And the thing that kind of, I don't know, it, I was a little bit surprised to hear this because the command was surprised, right? Like, even though they knew what was going on, um, 
and this is, I don't speak for the whole command, right? My commander and sergeant major, every, most of the top leadership were amazing. But there was a lot of people in the command that were surprised when I said, I'm getting out. Mm-hmm. They were like, why? You're a gunner sergeant and you're at 15. Like no one gets out. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. And because I wasn't thinking retirement, I was, I was thinking because uh, uh, Tara is like that temporary early retirement system right. thing. Mm-hmm. Most... Uh, Special operation guys, EOD and, and human, like a lot of these like critical skill jobs that they pay a lot of money to create us. Mm-hmm. We don't qualify for those programs because they spent so much money on us. They're like, we don't want you to leave early. Yeah. Right. So in my mind, I'm like, that's not an option. And I was like, well, I'm not medically jacked up. I felt like mm-hmm. I was still performing well and, mm-hmm. and everything. So I was like, well, I'm not going to get medically retired. So I'm just really going to walk away yeah. with nothing. Right. And, and, but to me, I was like, family is important and my kids are important and I need to like focus on the things that matter. And uh, and it was mind boggling to a lot of folks because they're like, you're going to give up all this. Yeah. And you've worked so hard for this. Now you're going to throw it away. And to me, I'm like, I'm not throwing it away. I'm doing the right thing because I, I, I get to spend this time that I don't know if tomorrow is going to be. Right, 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 right. Like tomorrow's not guaranteed. And who's to say that my wife doesn't pass t- tomorrow right? or that, you know, something happens to my kids. Like I want to be there for them now. I've had this different mindset and I want to change it. Dude, that's so honorable. Yeah. And, but so you, they did eventually. Yeah. So what ended up happening is um, they, they got me through the process of, of getting Tara approved, uh, which I mean, it's so grateful for because I was ready to walk away with nothing. Now I'm retired. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it, it was just a huge blessing that the command was able to look at my circumstances, really fight for it and push for it. And, uh, and, and so, and I, and that just really goes to show, you know, what great leadership could do. Cause there's a ton of other people that have been in my circumstance um, in the past that just didn't have the right leaders. And I'm just like, no, don't let the door hit your ass. Like, yeah. Right. I had great leaders and great people that were looking after me and wanted to see my transition go smoothly. So, um, I, I'm just so grateful for that. Yeah. Dude, Semper Fidelis, right? Always yeah, faithful. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Big foot stomper for leaders out there. <laughs> Listen to this story because you don't just have to give up. Yeah. Like your default setting shouldn't be no. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It should be yes, but, you know, maybe that's the answer. But, yeah, we don't let Marines, even if they're walking away, we don't yeah. let them just Yeah, and we care so vine, much yeah. about building a team up and, and building that Marine up, that individual up and the team up to be successful while they're in. It's like we should have that same mindset to build them up and be successful while, while they get out too. Absolutely. Because – they're also a model for everyone else that's serving and for people that haven't served yet. Cause it's like, Hey, I don't want to, if I'm, if I'm looking at the, at a veteran who's just, you know, a pile of crap. And at one point he was doing, he was kicking ass in the military. Why would I want to join the military to go through all this right. just to end up, you know, on the streets? Right. right? Just forgotten. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, I think it's super important. It's critical that we take care of the guys getting out. Absolutely. So, so, um, but then you, you didn't just sit on your laurels. I mean, yeah. so I, clearly things at home were still precarious. Yeah. But 
what was next. And yeah. so were you just like, holy crap, what the hell do I do now? Or- yeah, exactly. So I wasn't sure what to do. And in my mind, I was only looking at the hard skills, right? I was like, okay, tactics, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I was a special operator. Yeah, yeah. This is what I know, right? You know, tactics, how to shoot, all that. And I'm, I'm carrying a gun for the last 15 years. Let me find a job that does that, right? And that's all I was thinking about. Yeah. That's where my mindset was at. And, and a lot of military guys do that, right? And and at the same time, I also wasn't ready to give up all that fun. Sure. Because to me, that was fun stuff. And I was like, well, could I do that, but also come home every day? Mm-hmm. And so I was looking at different options. And uh, Border Patrol was was. They're, they're heavily recruiting and I was like, well, let me look at Border Patrol. They also have a Border Tac team, which is like their, their tactical like SWAT kind of yeah, yeah, know, sure. special operations. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. So I'm like telling my wife, like, yeah, I'm going to be home more, but I want to be in this team, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I'm like trying to weasel my way <laughs> right. um, But I, I, I get hired by Border Patrol and I have a date to go to the academy and I'm like, cool, I'm set. Transition complete, right? <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Yeah, and, and so, but I hear about this opportunity for special operators called the Honor Foundation, and I watched a couple other guys go through while I was getting ready to transition, and I'd, I'd see them on, you know, uh, social media, and they're like wearing suits, and they got like a little pin, and they're like, we're the Honor Foundation, and they're they're called fellows, like we're a fellow with, the, and I'm like, fellow, like what's <laughs> yeah. this, you know, like some secret cult, yes, right, right, and so I'm like, but I'm watching the people that they're meeting, and they're meeting like CEOs, and they're going all these places, and they're like, just, I could just tell like the way they transitioned from being like a knuckle dragger to like just this professional, right? Mm-hmm. Not to say that guys at Marshall aren't professional. They, they are, and they're of high caliber. To... But it's a profession of arms. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, at the same time, I'd say Marsock, you have to be a warrior diplomat as well. Sure. You know, ambassadors and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. just still, like, you know the guys, right? You know the guys on the team and how they are, and, and you're like, you know, you're a grunt at heart. Yeah, yeah. But then you <laughs> see them out there, and they're wearing the suits, and they're just like, you're like, hey, that guy looks like he belongs in corporate America. Yeah. I was like, I'm, I wasn't ready for that, but I kind of want to know what that's about. And so I, I looked up the Honor Foundation, um, applied, got accepted, and holy cow, life-changing. Like, I, I got there in day one. I was like, this is this is unknown territory, mm-hmm. but I kind of like it. You know, I, I got comfortable with being uncomfortable in the special operations community. But now I'm just around these folks that just like, just mentors and coaches and just people that were like, want to see you succeed and not just succeed professionally, but personally too. Mm -hmm. And just like change your mindset of like, just being a better person, like holistically. And I I remember it was like day two, we had this guy named Joe Sweeney. He was like one of the, I don't know. he was he's involved in like the NFL, right? And he okay. uh, he was one of like Brett Favre's like I don't know like uh, agents or whatever. Okay, I, I can't remember the official title. Probably, probably butchering it. But this guy, he had this saying. He was like, "Make someday be today," right? And while I was going through the Honor Foundation over those first couple of days, they were talking about like sharing our personal stories and all this stuff, and, and I had suppressed all that for years like all the stuff before the, the Marine Corps suppressed yeah I was right. like nope this is who I am today boom forget about it bottled it up inside everything I did in the Marine Corps I'm like if it, if it's like 
you know, weakness leaving the body, right? Just, <laughs> That's right. I'm like, suppress all those feelings, you know? And then I got there and then they were just talking about stuff. And it was like, all of a sudden I started thinking about my past and I was thinking about just deployments. I was thinking about all these, the stress and then my wife and everything else. And it was like, I was like trying not to tear up. And it was like, I was in a room full of Navy SEALs and, and other special operation guys. Yeah. And it was like my time to like present something about my make someday be today. And I just lost it. I like was starting to cry. And I was like, oh, my dad. And, uh, and, I, and I remember like everyone kind of looking like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? And in my mind, I'm like, I look like an idiot right now. But I couldn't I can't stop. Yeah. I couldn't stop it, right? You know? And and uh and I remember sitting back down and I'm just like, oh man, I feel so foolish. But afterwards, like so many people came up to me and they're like, I'm glad you shared that. I'm like, that was awesome that you did that. And it was awesome that you got vulnerable. It was awesome that you shared that information, you know, that and there were so many people that were like, you should see this person or you should go talk to this resource. And I did, I got help and I went through an intensive outpatient program like six months and got, and went through therapy and like shared my past and shared all this stuff. And it like really helped me out. But all that would probably would have happened way later if I didn't go through that program. Yeah. Or, I mean, or something else would have, yeah. I mean, it's almost like those, uh, those old, like, uh, beer nuts cans had like the springy snakes mm-hmm. inside of it. Yeah. It's like, dude, once you pop that top, man, those fucking snakes are coming out man yeah (laughs) so and what's really cool about the honor foundation is they they focus on the individual first they say let's find out who you are as a person first and they really dove into like what my personal interests are and all these things and and what was really cool for the first time in a long time where it was like mission focused team focused yeah tactics all that now i was focusing on like what do i like what do i like to do and i i started discovering so much more about myself. And that's where I learned my personal why, which is to illuminate the hearts of others so they may rise above barriers. And where I got that from was sharing these stories and thinking about who is the person I wish I had when I was at my lowest point? Mm. And how can I continue to serve others in a way that brings meaning and purpose and fulfillment in my life in the same way as it did while I was a special operator. Yeah. And to me, serving others in that capacity and helping lift others out of their biggest trials and, and out of their battles and, and helping them alongside their battles, that that drives me and gives me purpose. And I could do that. And I don't have to be a Marine to do that. I don't have to be in war patrol to do that. I can yeah. do that so many other ways. Dude, that's so profound. Yeah, because I think there's this kind of, and I'm sure it's for special operators even more so, but I know from you know, this Marine's perspective, there is this idea that like, well, I spent all this time being this like super ambitious, like go-getter achievement oriented. So of course, when I transition, I'm going to kick ass at transitioning or I'm going to just, I'm going to kick ass at whatever. And it's the same sort of veneer. Mm -hmm. Um, and you, you end up going down the same paths. You end up just sort of redo, like hitting the reset button on stuff. And you never really get that like introspective. Like you said, like, what is it that I really want to do? Or like, what is it? How can what I do have meaning Mm -hmm. other than just 
adding to my, you know, padding my resume or getting me more exactly. accolades. Yeah, exactly. See, that's great. And so that led you then to USC then? Yeah, that led me to USC. Much um, to the chagrin of the Border Patrol. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what was, yeah, so I had to tell Border Patrol, like, hey, uh, actually, I'm going to put that on pause. And what's really cool is at Border Patrol, when you get hired, they say, well, here's your academy date. But let's say you postpone it, you have up until, I think it's like three years or oh, something. Okay. As long as they don't change their hiring criteria. Mm. So as long as they don't change like some of the ways they hire, uh, you're, you're good. You're set, right? And so I was like, okay, well, at least I know I'm set for a couple of years. Let me go pursue this, right? So I pursued a degree at USC. And it, it was really cool. It was like uh, I never had any thought that I would go there. Uh, I got my bachelor's while I was in. And, and I'm just going to throw this out there. For those of you that think you have no time in the military to get your degree, you do. Yeah, right. And, and this is coming from a special operator that was deployed a lot, only home a couple months out of the year, yeah. four kids. You have the time. Get that to education. Make time, yeah, right. Get in that fact, education. actually, the saying was, you never have time. You make time. Right. Mm. You make sacrifices, not excuses. So when I come back from mission on deployment, instead of, you know, like getting a couple extra hours of sleep, I do my schoolwork, right? And and that that's just what you'd have to do. Yeah. Right. And so I got my degree while I was in. And so when I was transitioning out, uh, I saw that master's in business program, uh, the MBV, master's in business for veterans. Right. And then USC was kind of a dream school of mine, you know, growing up in LA. Yeah, for like, sure. That's a, that's a badass school. But I was like, I don't ever go there. I'm a, I'm a piece of crap. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Like, I'll never find my way there. Uh, but this opportunity presented itself and, they, they were looking for, you know, high quality candidates to, to apply. And, and my GPA was amazing. Uh, I graduated summa cum laude from, you know, uh, with my bachelor's. And so I, I was able to get in. And when I was there, it was almost like that program was also a transition program, right? And it's a, it's a year long master's program. You do this program in business, you learn about all the different, you know, um, areas of business, and to where you could, and, and they're very focused on entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, right? Because um, veterans make great entrepreneurs. Sure. And, and, and so, but during that time, it was like, I, it was such a good transition process because I was around like civilian life, but also around a lot of veterans mm -hmm, too. Mm -hmm. So it got the mix of both. And it's an amazing program for anyone that has their degree or you're just about to finish your degree, look into that program at USC. And you don't have to be in the LA area to... to do so they have an online version? Well, or it was online because of hybrid. COVID, but now it's, a, it's hybrid to where you, you do some stuff online and your homework but then you you only go to school every other week so okay uh, friday and saturday every other week and there was guys there were people flying in from uh florida from wisconsin and from whatever so you'll have to fly in yeah. every other week but um amazing program and the opportunities at usc i mean i'm like totally brainwashed by the the usc cult but it's but there i mean it's it, there. Yeah. the alumni network is it's there. a real thing though yeah yeah it is but um yeah and that and, and and, and leaving there, that's what gave me that mindset of, I don't have to work for somebody. I don't, I don't have to just, you know, be, be fill a cubicle, fill a cubicle somewhere. Yeah. Right. And, and I had all this drive to do something and they focus really heavily on entrepreneurship. And then you learn all about the different aspects of business. I was like, well, let me start my own. Let me, let me make this happen. Man, that's so great. That's so cool.
And then, so let's talk about a little bit about what you've got going on now. So the, you are the CEO of Thrash and Raid and the president of Six Feet Above. Is that, are those the correct yeah, titles? Yeah, pre- president of the board and, and chief operations officer for Six Feet Above. Okay. Yeah. And, and so with, and were these ideas that you had already had or is it once you got to SC and you realized I want to do something and, you know, you want to give back and mm-hmm. did those they just sort of came together and it was like an epiphany or was this something you've been sort of no yeah yeah so um yeah exactly it was kind of like it all kind of just came together and um the the rational raid was kind of one of those the, the first thought right so um actually prior to that i saw that there was a problem within the MBB program or not the MBB. it wasn't necessarily a problem it's just that usc has an amazing alumni network and they had all these different alumni networks for all the other programs, but the MBB program didn't have one yet. It was still fairly new. Like we were only the seventh cohort, mm. but there was this like need and, and this want for people to come together. So um, like after the program has, has ended, right? And so I was like, well, what if I create a nonprofit that helps, you know, uh, bring people back together and we can have our own alumni network, but then also the, the funds that can be raised could be raised for scholarships for uh, veterans that have already exhausted their GI Bill. Mm, right. And, you know, they want to go through this master's program now. And so we were doing that. We raised some funds and it was awesome. We, we it, was, it was such an amazing opportunity. And it, it gave me a sense of like what it was like to start something from the ground up. And that was not for profit. Right. right. So I was like, well, now I got to figure out what I want to do for profit right. so I can like survive. Right? <laughs> and so um, I've always been into skateboarding, skateboarding as a kid. Like, you know, as I said before, I broke my arm skateboarding. Yeah, right. 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 Um, but I didn't know much about supply chain and all that. It was right at the height of COVID, July of 2020. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to go for it because in business, the longer you wait and you just analyze and all that, you could try to think your plan is perfect, but you're gonna fail anyways, right? Yeah. Just like, uh, just like in, in the military, right? You could plan all day, but then once the first round goes off, a lot of times, like you're having to do immediate action drills. You're you're adapting and you're doing all yeah, this, absolutely your actions change, right? And so, with me, I was like, you know what? Like I'm just gonna start it and I'm gonna learn along the way. And I failed so many times along the way. But the difference is, is I was willing to fail. And that's what makes a good entrepreneur is that your willingness to fail and learn. Yeah. It's the people that avoid failure that don't succeed. Right. So. Right. Yeah. You can't be, uh, yeah, it's not a uh, place for the risk adverse, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because like you said, you, you've got to learn yeah. from that stuff rather than sort of shy away from it. Yeah, exactly. And so Thrasher Raid was... Um, it's it was the, the tool right to help my why achieve my why and my why you know to illuminate the hearts of others so they may rise above barriers and skateboarding was kind of that that thing during that rough period of my life that was like the one positive thing i was doing drugs i was hanging around like a bad crowd and doing all this stuff and yet skateboarding was kind of that escape right it got me out and you know, i was exercising i was outside but it also allowed me to just be on my board and just just not have to be stressed under everything else. Like you kind of like all that goes away. Yeah. Skateboard, right. And, and then I also was able to connect with some really cool people during that time as well. 
teaches you about situational awareness and 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 overcoming adversity, right? Because you're going to fail. Right, yeah, falling and getting up, yeah. Right, and trying a trick. And so you learn about how to overcome failure and how to keep going and give it one more try. That's a saying we say in skateboarding, like, one more try. What that really means is, like, I'm going to try until I get it, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Your, your filmer is over there, like, turning into a skeleton. Like, <laughs> you said one more try, and you're like, just keep filming, please. Right? Um, and so... I, I created this company as a means to show people that, right? And then we used a lot of those funds to give back to kids and to provide skateboards to kids in need. And we've partnered up with foundations like the Poseidon Foundation, um, who also uh, does a lot of like really cool stuff for, for uh, female skateboarders as well as like the youth. And so we did a lot of stuff. We were giving skateboards away to the youth there over at Prince Park and Oceanside, really close to Camp Pendleton. Uh, we did a lot of stuff with veterans, giving to different veteran organizations, and it, it was it was gonna happen eventually to create a nonprofit to focus on that side, right? And I linked up with a guy named Riley Whitcomb, who's a, also a Marine veteran, and he went through a totally different transition process, the more common one that most people go tap and tamp and all that stuff. Exactly. Five days, boom, don't let the door hit your butt. Yeah. Here's your resume. Exactly. And, and he was going through his own struggle or his own battles, right. uh, With his demons. And what ended up happening is he was about to become a a statistic, right? Like he had seen some of his friends get out, commit suicide. And then he felt like, man, that's my only way out too. Yeah. You know, my, my wife and kids are better off without me. Mm. And he attempted to commit suicide. His wife found him on the floor, thank God, and and got him the help he needed. But the VA, unfortunately, a lot of their answers to a lot of things, because they deal with so many people, is like, here's some pills, right? Here are the pills yeah. to to uh, help with the therapy. And, and that's not to say that everyone was taking pills, go ahead and throw away your pill bottles. There's a reason for them. And, and a lot of times, like, it does help a lot of people. But unfortunately, a lot of people get reliant on those pills or those pills end up having negative side effects that that make the, the patient feel worse. Right. It's it's too much of an immediate response. Exactly. Yeah. And and um, and and so that was kind of the answer, the, the cocktail of pills. And I went through the same thing when I was going through therapy. They gave me all sorts of cocktails of pills yeah, to yeah. help. And it did make me feel worse for a while, too. Um, but... He reached out, told me his story, and said, I want to create this thing with skateboarding. I see what you're doing with Thrasher Raid. Let's let's work together. I, I need some help with this. And he had that vision for Six Feet Above to connect veterans, to, to provide a support network for veterans through skateboarding so they may shred the trend on veteran suicide, right? And just like it helped him and it's helped me. Let's do that for other people. And so he was brainstorming. And he he had like these grand schemes, like we could have these retreats and like we'll, we'll fly veterans out from all over the country and, and you know make this happen. We'll meet with pro skaters. I was like, cool. What pros do you know? And like, how do you get funding? He's like, I don't know. I don't know anybody. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm the ideas guy. Yeah. And so I'm like, <laughs> me neither, you know. And so, um, but I knew how to start a company and how to just go for it. Yeah. And so we both just like plan or just like created a, a plan we were reaching out to folks and we just said we're doing this and it's kind of like 
like uh, what's that movie like Field of Dreams like if you build yeah 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 so we just kept saying like we're gonna do these retreats and we're gonna like meet with pro skaters and all that I mean I, I had no contacts with any pro skaters yeah. I started a skate company but I didn't I, we were a small company yeah I didn't know any pros it's not like I called Tony Hockey like, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> yeah like, Brigade yeah I didn't Remember? know anybody yeah right and so but we were like we're gonna do this with these pros and like because we were saying it like pro skaters were like reaching out and they're like hey like I want to be part of this thing <laughs> yeah. so we're like you need a pro I'm a pro <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Like, here they come right <laughs> not, not in a sadistic way right right but, like, <laughs> uh, but we were like hell yeah it's coming together and we didn't have the funding or anything but we had a credit card and I was like, I was like let's just do a retreat and we'll just fly some people out and I think if we just show that we could do one the funding will come yeah and then we did we did one and it just so, dude, this is like amazing, right? We had nothing planned, right? We were like, we're like, well, we could just go to this skate park and then we could do like this kind of therapy and we could do this. And there was stuff that we learned from our, from my experiences with cognitive behavior therapy and stuff. I was like, okay, we'll, we'll ask these questions. We'll do this group discussions and this and this. But we didn't have any plan to like meet any pros because there wasn't anybody on the docket. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the Airbnb that we booked they they found out who we were and they're like oh you guys are a skateboarding nonprofit well for veterans cool we're gonna donate that for free to you guys the airbnb and we're like oh that's so amazing. yeah that like, is awesome. amazing thank you not just that they're like we know people in the skateboarding community and we want you to go to this private event and we're like oh awesome so they're like here's the address here's what it is didn't know much about it we're like okay i know it's a private event there's gonna be some people there mm -hmm. cool we show up there we, there's like it's like this place in Vista. I'm not going to say whose house it is or where it is, but you go to this place, the house in Vista, and there's like, just, you could hear a crowd in, and it's like in a neighborhood. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, like who, <laughs> whose house is this? We go back there and there's a giant half pipe in the backyard and there's like an announcer, there's like a crowd and there's like, and, and it's, and it's all these pro skaters and their families and all this stuff. And they're having this like backyard event. And I look up and Tony Hawk is no on the half pipe and I'm like, what? I'm like, what is this? And all these guests are thinking that like, we didn't tell them that we didn't have this plan. Yeah. And so all these guests that we brought for this first event are thinking like, wow, this, this organization is, is awesome. They planned this thing. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, here it is. Right. And and so, and Christian Hosoy and like it, Sky Brown was at the time, she was on the ramp too, the, you know, the yeah. young Olympian. Right. And so there's all these, these pros there. And I'm like, this is, this is going awesome, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and then so Tony Ock comes down, he meets everybody and we take pictures with them and we take pictures with all the other pros and, and it was just an amazing weekend, right, that we had. That's crazy. Yeah, and it was just because we were like, let's do it. And then it just like <laughs> fell into place. And then after that first one, it was like all these other pros started reaching out and they were like, I want to do it. And then uh, we started going to these other facilities like we, we ended up meeting with ryan sheckler and at his place and we went to oc ramps and, and met with mark appleyard and some, and i might be throwing these names out that might be foreign people but these are like yeah legendary google clothes, yeah for sure right and so and then jamie thomas from zero he created zero skateboards he reached out and, and we were meeting with him it's just it's just so amazing that there's there's communities out there regardless of what you're into um there's people that care about veterans and people that, that want to support and you just have to like 
go out there and do yeah. it, you know? Well, I'm sure there's a certain ex- sort of apprehension even on their part where they want to do good, but they just don't know how. Like, who do I reach out to? Exactly. What belly buttons do I push? Is there even such a thing out there? Yeah. And so when you kind of, like you said, like build it, they will come. Once they realize, hey, there's an avenue, this is exactly the thing that I want to be a part of. Yeah, and, and, I, and it was very safe too for for skateboarders as well in the sense of like the in the in that community the skateboard community and military community are, are very different very similar to the same different because they see us as like a hey, they're combat focused you know guns and all that stuff and they're like yeah ain't part of right right but the thing that makes us similar is the community sense there's that sense of belonging and that when a skater falls like you help them up and when a skater's struggling with something like you teach them and you help them and a lot of people don't realize that when when new guys are getting into skating they're like i don't want to go to the skate park because i'm gonna look like a fool and people are gonna make fun of me when that's not the case at all we've had guys go on retreats and they'll i've, I've seen people try to drop in on a on a half pipe for the first not half pipe but a quarter pipe for the first right. time and everyone will stop what they're doing to cheer that person on help them there's been people like let me hold your hand and do it and like this might seem foolish but i'm gonna help you and it, it's cool to see Dude, that's that. awesome and in the military you have that right yeah if someone's struggling you lift them up and so they saw what we wanted to do and how they are with the skate community and we combined the two and that is a testament to <clears throat> a testament to riley whitcomb's vision right or the the one who thought of this idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My my involvement was just to help run operations and make these connections happen and, and to and start coordinating these events and then use Thrashing Raid as like one of those platforms that we had already gained a big following to start pushing it out there. And then now we donate a, you know proceeds to that as well. That's so cool. And so I guess talking about sort of that dichotomy between the various cultures you at Thrashing Raid weren't necessarily all that well received when you first tried to launch, right? No, yeah. Initially, people in the skate community were like, we got messages daily, daily <laughs> from people that were like, stay out of the industry. There's no room for military culture. There's no room for veterans here. Like, get the hell out of here, right? And and I was like, who are these people? Yeah, yeah. Because if you ever want to just like get just if you ever want some negative attention just go on social media and just like type in something controversial right yeah. apparently skate military and skateboarding was that yeah. and so <laughs> who would have known it was like just the haters came out of the lure i was like how are you guys finding me you know i'm like brand new and they found their way and um but what was really cool was that there were some other skate companies that were better known that were out there and they're they're doing some good stuff. And um, and I'm just gonna say like like DB Skate Designs, he's a he's a skater out of Colorado, he's an army veteran and he creates and shapes his own skateboards. Amazing stuff, tragic skate co. He's I think he's an Air Force veteran. Um, he's up in California too. Awesome, giving back to the kids. And so there's there was other skaters that were doing it. And for, for me, I was like, well, I, I want to do the same thing, but on a, I don't know, I, I was dreaming big. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to just be the small town veteran skate company. Right. I want to be like the Black Rifle Coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. American yeah. Skateboarding the the new Bones Brigade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, with the Raid Brigade. You know? Yeah, Raid Brigade. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's awesome. And so I think a lot of it, though, is like, whereas you obviously have to have a, 
a large sense of humility. And like you said, I mean, you have to have that willingness to fail because it's one, for one thing, it's going to happen. Yeah. But these are also tremendous learning opportunities. But at the same time, you can't let yourself get detracted yeah. from whether it's initial failure, uh, peers, uh, competitors who are trying to tell you what you're doing is mm-hmm. all jacked up, right? Like, yeah. you just got to you got to push through some of that. Yeah. And so I guess, yeah, where's that line though, between where you're like, Hey, this is a, this came from the good idea fairy or no, this is actually my calling. Yeah. And so when I started to realize that it was my calling is when as much negative mail that we got, we got a hundred times more of the positive. And, and it, it kind of came naturally. Like I, I'm a very, like positivity is one of my core strengths. Like I've always been a positive guy, like after I joined the military mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I had that mindset of just like, I want to, I want to help people. I want to do stuff and I want to make the situation light. If we're in a stressful situation, I want to bring some positivity to it to help the team get through it on deployments and training, regardless of what it was. Like I was trying to be that guy. And that's where I got the illuminate the hearts of others part for my why, because in, in my, in my life, I wish someone would have given me that positive, um, that positivity to pull me through because there was a lot of people that were saying, you will never amount to anything. And there were people that even told my, my mom that when I was in school, like, man, that's like, so awful. A to teacher hear. told my mom said, your son, Benji will never, ever amount to anything in life. Right. And, and there were people telling me that like, you're a failure. You suck. All yeah. Stuff, you're yeah. A piece of crap. And so I felt like if I help tell people like you could find the good and you could find the positivity, it's how you respond to your situations that makes a difference. Like bad things are going to happen to you, regardless if you're the, the poorest person on earth or the wealthiest person on earth, there's going to be negative things that happen in your life. And it's how you respond to them that really matter. And I was putting out this positive messaging and, and just motivational stuff, just trying to like help people just not even I wasn't focused on like buy my skateboards. I was focused on like, let's just be positive. And then I knew sales would, would come because people don't want to, people don't want to, uh, just buy from a company because they're like, Oh, that's cool products. Right. They'd rather buy from a company because it's something that they believe in. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and to me, I wanted to focus on that. Why of like, this is, this is why what I'm doing matters. And this is why we're helping people. And because it's, I'm so passionate about it and I, I believe in it. And, you know, and whether or not you believe in it too, like I'm still going to do it. And people got, they rallied behind that message. And, and that's when I knew I had something is because we were, I was receiving messages from people saying I'm on the, I was on the verge of like suicide mm-hmm. and, and this post helped me get through it. Yeah. Or, you posted this thing about you having, you know, this battle with uh, your wife's kidney function or, you know, trying to identify with your kids again because I was struggling with that like during that transition process and I would post about it being vulnerable about it and not being afraid to admit my failures and they're like I'm dealing with that too and that helped me and because of that I was like I know this is working I know it's helping I'm going to go even harder to it and I know that there's going to be haters but I'm not going to focus on them I'm not going to focus on all the hate I'm going to focus on the positive stuff and I'm going to keep driving that way yeah that's I mean and I think it's just going to sound trite and, you know, I, I hope I, I, I'm not downplaying it too much, but, you know, there's, we, I think we talked before the show, like there's a lot of other sort of 
organizations that are doing wonderful things that and, and there's a lot i think you know we talked about like some of the surf mm-hmm. stuff having people go out to the beach and and uh, having surf be that sort of outlet. Yeah. Um, there's an organization uh, merging vets and players we've talked about on the yeah. show before. Um, and, I, but, and so then now there's you guys six feet above. And I think there's a lot to be said, and especially as it applies to skateboarding and having been sort of a novice growing up in skateboarding is, is that there is, a, I think, something to be said for, I don't, I can at least get that like brief respite as I'm trying to do an axle grind or some, you know, go down a half pipe or do some sort of gnarly trick, a hand plant or whatever, where I'm so focused on that trick or I'm full focused on that move that I at least get, even if it's just 30 seconds, where I'm not worried about all the other bullshit that's going on, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and what's cool about that program is that the the skateboarding, the skateboard itself doesn't save people, right? It's it's a tool that allows like all these other things to happen. And one of the biggest things is the connection piece. Yeah. Like a lot of these vets feel like they're alone. Like Riley felt there you like go. Nice. Uh-huh. I felt like I was alone for a while and I didn't want to tell anybody how I felt. And there's that stigma in the military too, that it's like, Hey, you deal with, you're dealing with a personal problem. Like suck it up. Right? <laughs> yeah, like right. take that straw, suck yeah, it up. Yeah. Push forward. Right. And then we bottle it up. And then when we get out, we're like, well, why should I burden someone else with what I'm going through? And so we suppress it. And what's really cool about these retreats is that people start opening up um, because now they're not just talking to some like 70 year old shrink that wasn't in the military. Right. And you're trying to like relate to, and he's trying to like pull this information out of you. Like, tell me about your trauma. Yeah. yeah. How does like, that make you feel? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I don't want to talk to this guy. Right. And he's like, well, here's the pills, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so with this environment, we, we make it fun. We make it, you know, something that, um, it is also a challenge too, for people that don't skate and they're, they're learning something new, but then they start hanging around these other vets and then they start sharing stories and we do these group discussions and we ask, we prompt questions that get them to think in a different perspective about, you know, what they're grateful for and how things that they did in their time and service mattered um, when, in a time when it, it might seem like it didn't, right? Like we just spent 20 plus years yeah. doing the global war on terror and you could see how a lot of things played out in the Middle East that is very questionable right sure. and so a lot of people are struggling with that and battling with those issues of like my, i lost friends i lost you know lost you know, a lot of just a lot of who i am mm-hmm. during that time and i can't get those years back like family life and all this other stuff and they feel that they're alone in that right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so having these people share that makes them understand like, I'm not alone now i have this support network i have these people that i can rely on and um and and I don't have to feel that um, that I can't open up and express who yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, the people's identity is more than just the uniform that they're wearing, whether it's, you know, flip-flops and shorts or, yeah. you know, full tactical gear or whatever. They, you are more exactly. than the clothes you wear on your body. And, and we prompt these questions to them. Like when we talk about the past, we talk about where they're at in the present, and then we talk about the future. And I ask a lot of those questions that we got at the Honor Foundation – like I use those things that I'm like, man, they helped me so much. I know it'll help them. And they ha- and it has. And, and one of the things we asked towards the end is like, what's that one thing you've been putting off that you keep saying, um, someday I'm going to do this. Someday I'm going to do that. Make someday be today. Okay, what's yeah. that thing? So when you leave here, what are you going to focus on? 
And it's really cool to see we get people that that contact us after and they're like, hey, remember how I said my Sunday V today was I was gonna reconnect with my brother or my mom or somebody that was you know, I, I had bad relationships with, well, I mended that relationship or I said I was going to start school again. I did. And, and it's really cool just to hear that and just to see people's lives change. And to me, I'm like, it's worth it. It's worth everything that we've done and seeing these, some of these guys that have come from like, man, I thought I was in the hole and I was like a couple steps away from, from committing suicide, we went to this retreat and this is where I'm at now. This is what I'm doing. Now I have the support network and now I'm I have this new mindset of just like this renewed um, just drive to to achieve like I did before. This new sense of belonging and purpose. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. Well, dude, I so appreciate you being so generous with your time. Um, I do want to mention, though, before we uh, cut out here, is that you got an event coming up with Aquabats, right? Yeah, the Aquabats. Yeah, See, the Aquabats. So, it, it obviously, as a father of little ones and me also being a father of those, dude, yeah. Uh, Yo Gabba Gabba is yeah. still the jam. I can't believe they did this. It's not still on the air, but dude, like... Actually, it's coming back. Is it? It is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think I might have enjoyed Yo Gabba yeah. Gabba more than the kids do. But yeah, can you talk a little bit about what you got going on with Aquabats? Yeah, so Shred the Trend, uh, this is the second year that we're doing it. So we, we planned it, like, uh, in three weeks the last year. And we're like, oh, let's just put this event together. And it was really cool. CJ Ramon from the Ramones came out for the oh, last one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool, sick, right? Man. And um, and we had, you know, like 400 people show up. So like three weeks, plan, boom, made this event happen. And we're like, all right, we got to do this every year. And so this year, we, we, we planned it out. And we said, we reached out to the Aquabats. Do you want to be part of this? And Christian Jacobs, uh, lead singer, creator of Yo Gabba Gabba, amazing guy, was like, yeah. Because he's a local guy, right? Isn't he which is in Orange County? Yeah, he, still yeah, he, yeah. he was in Orange County. He just moved, um, but he's, uh, you know, he makes that. Okay, movie. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so they're, they're going to be there. Steve Caballero, oh, uh, legendary nice. coach <laughs> Totally, yeah. Uh, OC Ramps is sponsoring. But this whole event is to raise awareness on, on the – you know positive mental health and why it matters and suicide prevention and then you know to raise raise funds for six feet above and so this event um just kind of just brings all that together so it's the music the skateboarding there's going to be games and activities for the kids it's an all ages event um there's going to be vendors from the skateboarding side from the veteran side veteran resources there uh it'll be an incredible time and it starts at noon ends at 8 p.m and um, it's Impala, right? Yeah, it's Impala. It's in it's on a private land, so uh, it's it's twenty thousand square foot warehouse with like a bunch of land around it too. So uh, it'll be a it'll be a super rad time, and anyone can come. Even if you don't skateboard, come just to meet other veterans. Come just to like have a good time with your family, with your kids. It's gonna be all sorts of stuff. And the tickets are thirty five dollars, and every penny of that goes to support the organization of what we're doing. And um, and it's all inclusive, right? So it's like you you buy the ticket and you have all the activities, you have the concert, you have the skateboarding, all that, right? Uh, so the, the only thing you'll have to pay for is food, food right? right. So there's going to be food vendors there, but um, it'll be such a rad time. And the tickets, you can go to thrashingraid.com, you go to sixfeetabove.org. And if you can't make it, please share with other veterans in the area um, about the event and, you know, uh, contribute by donating at sixfeetabove.org. 
All right, man. That's awesome. So, yeah, uh, sixfeetabove.org, thrashandraid.com. Yeah, so, yeah, is it thrash? It's, uh, you know, T, the thrash, and then the letter N, okay. raid.com. All right, fantastic. So, Benji, man, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for sitting down with me. This is really, this is an awesome time that I'm really, really geeking out right now. So, <laughs> Thank you. I thanks, appreciate man. it. Yeah. All right. Bye, everyone. Scuttlebutt is a production of the Marine Corps Association. I am Nick Wilson. That is Major Vic Rubel, U.S. Marine Corps retired. We have also heard the voices of or contributions from William Truding or Nancy Lichman, editors of Gazette and Leatherneck magazines, respectively. Opinions expressed in Scuttlebutt are just that, opinions, and do not represent any official stance of the MCA.